Tonight's episode of Midnight Tea is brought to you in part by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. evening, fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moonchild Nil, and welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. And as always, guys, we are still in the month of June, so happy Pride Month. As this episode is being recorded, it is currently Juneteenth. If you're unaware of that date, it is June 19th, which is a very big day for people of the African-American community as June 19th, 1865 was when our ancestors has, were liberated from, become, from continuing to be slaves. And it has now been ratified as a federal holiday, so thank you to President Biden for that. And this is a holiday that's been needing to be acknowledged, and thank you for finally making it so. And as always, it is also my birth month, and as this podcast is going to be released, it will be released on Father's Day, which this day hits a little hard for me since my father is no longer with us. And I want to just say thank you to all the fathers out there who took care of your kids, who were there to just not just be there, but actually be active in your child's life, even if your child was a pet. I thank you to all the fathers that have been there and dedicated. Thank you for being a parent, not just a father, but a parent. And especially for those fathers who have little girls, that's a big task. I mean, to be, to teach your little girl to grow up in a society where men are going to be weird and creeps and to teach them to hold their own is such a big deal. So thank you to everybody to the fathers, even help, even to the mothers that have to be fathers. This is also for you. So yeah, this is a loaded weekend. So happy Pride, everybody. Happy birth month to me. Happy Father's Day to our fathers and happy Juneteenth to everybody of any African American descent living here in the United States. Nine times out of 10, your ancestors were probably slaves in this country. It's about time that they get some acknowledgement. I will get into this more in a minute, But let's go ahead and get into our episode and tonight's disclaimer. All right, guys, it's time for that disclaimer in that tonight's episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media, and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener discretion advised. So guys, I know I usually get into more of an exposition dump, usually at the beginning of my intro before I start my disclaimer. But for tonight, I really wanted to kind of do it a little reverse In terms of the things I wanted to talk about, one of them being Juneteenth or June 19th, which is now being celebrated as the Day of Freedom. Um, I've came across a lot of pretty negative comments in terms of this becoming a federal holiday, which I take a lot of offense to. And that's why I chose to speak about it now after my disclaimer, because your girl's going to use some choice language here. Um, considering that 
Juneteenth is now a federal holiday, a lot of the comments that I've been seeing online by people who are clearly not of color, and what just I'm just hearing through the grapevine is, oh, it's another black holiday. Oh, let us forget that the Democrats were the ones who were pro-slavery. And this is, they're still demanding reparations that they don't earn or they didn't earn because not everybody who was black in America in the 1800s was a slave. How the fuck do you know that? And I'm sorry that we're going to be hitting off this episode starting this way, but no, this really does bother me to hear these kind of comments coming out of people who are A, not of color, or B, not black or have any black ancestry of what helped build this country. So yeah, I take a bit of offense to that, knowing that me in particular, being of Creole descent, uh, my father's side of the family is from Louisiana, more specifically Nolens, where my grandfather, interestingly enough, and this is partially a Father's Day tribute, the only reason my father's family was relocated to originally Torrance, California, which is still technically considered part of LA County, was in the 40s. My grandfather and my grandmother lived in Louisiana and were chastised by a white male cop who was gay. He was a closeted gay man, and he had the hots for my grandfather. And I'm not going to lie, my grandfather was a very good-looking man. He was an actor and a boxer, and somehow being a boxer never hurt the face. But understand this, guys. This is America. This is very segregated, very racially charged America in the 1940s in the South. The South really didn't have their shit together at that time in terms of slavery. Well, not slavery necessarily, but segregation. And it's a very scary time to be a Black person in the South in the 40s. And my grandfather being a handsome man and this gay white officer had it so bad for him that he would purposely set up roadblocks to stop my grandfather from coming home from work to get home to his family so that he could harass and possibly even sexually assault him. And my grandfather, in fear for my grandmother and, you know, her kids, in fear for his family's life, moved to Los Angeles to get away from this cop who probably didn't realize how much trouble he was putting my grandfather through. And I want you to keep in mind, this was 1945, around that time. And to think that back then, this was allowed. Like, if, like yes, in the 1940s in the South, you had no rights. And I know this is kind of a sidetracking, but I'm just letting my, you, my listeners, know that, yes, I do have ancestry in the South, in Louisiana. Though I am a born and bred California and an Angelina, I was... My family heritage on my father's side is from Louisiana. And more interestingly enough as well, my mother is actually white, but she is white British from South Africa. My mom is directly from South Africa. And it's a big deal to me that we, everybody, I don't care if you're not black. I don't care if you have no ancestry that had anything to do with slavery. 
you need to understand and appreciate the fact that Juneteenth plays such a big role because we were descendants of slaves. Okay, no, none, none of the black Americans that are here today, if their ancestors could go back, nobody wished, none of them wished to come to America to be treated like shit for hundreds of years. And then what's worse was treated like shit, brainwashed, bred to only make bigger and better versions of black people because this is what their white owners wanted. Okay, the, the gramifications of the brainwashing, the ridicule, the just treating like shit that had happened for so many hundreds of years. And the fact that a lot of those ugly traits carry into today. And now white people still look at it as, oh, they're uncouth, they're uncultured. They're... You bred people to be like this. This is not something that just happened for the last 100 or so years. This is hundreds of years of you treating people a certain way. And now they're like this because that's all they know. And it's trying, it's a very hard process to break that chain. And I want people to understand how hard that is to undo so many generations, eons of damage. So yes, June 19th becoming a federal holiday is a big fucking deal. And I don't want to hear about it's another black holiday. I'm sorry, what, what about this is hard for you to understand? I'm not saying that the African-American is the only slave that happened in America because especially living here in California, we have the, the railroad system that was created by the Chinese and the Irish that were also treated unbelievably terribly terrible, not including also not excluding the Mexicans and the Native Americans that were treated like shit by guess who. And I'm not trying to make this a point the finger at a white person situation because it's not even about that. It's about understanding that damage was done. A lot of bad things happened to make this country, quote unquote, great. And I'd like to use air quotes on that because this country's not great. This country has done a lot of fucked up things to be where it is today. A lot. And that's not just to the black community, but the black community speaking the loudest because of the damage that's been done for hundreds of years. So... I want people to kind of take a moment to reflect on that, to realize that Black America has came a long way from the way we've been treated, okay? And more importantly, today, as the recording of this will come out, it'll be tomorrow, but June 19th should always be remembered as a day that Black America finally got liberated, finally got the freedom it deserved, even though it was still another 150 some odd years after that fact that the worst of the racism came to an end. Because don't get me wrong, racism absolutely still exists today. Absolutely. It's just much more blanketed. It's not as outright or overt as it was then to be called derogatory slurs based on the color of your skin. And yes, there should be reparations for people like me who are descendant of slaves because this isn't fair for any of us that we overcame so much hardship to get where we are today and we're still getting treated to some degree like shit. I'm not saying we need 40 acres and a mule, but I feel like there should be something to help uplift a community that has been so badly damaged for so long. And of course, there's idiots who want to make it a political thing of, oh, remember Democrats were 
originally in favor of slavery. I'm like, yes. I mean, this, and again, this coming from me who doesn't, again, I'm not going to make this all about politics because this is not fun for anybody. For me, who's independent. But if you're going to put me in a box, yeah, I lean a little more democratic and liberal. To say, yes, Democrats have had a history of being pro-slavery. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that didn't exist. It did. But at the same time, they understand that they, over the hundreds of years, has realized, yes, we were wrong in the way that, they, that we presented the idea of being pro-slavery. And let's fix that. Let's start healing. You know, we're never going to be able to forget that slavery happened. We're never going to be able to forget that segregation and racism still exist in a lot of states, actually, here in the United States. But let's try to heal it. Let's try to fix this and make it better. So as much as people, especially people who like to use terms like snowflakes and libtards and demorats and all these hurtful bullshit things because they want to make themselves feel better. As much as they want to say things like that, tell me why is, are the Democrats trying to fix the problem? And I'm not saying they're saints because Jesus Christ, there's no saints in this whole political bullshit madness. But tell me why the Democrats are actually making an effort to fix the damage that was been done by them. And Republicans have far too many white supremacists, Aryan race, and Ku Klux Klan back, backing and partnerships and allies. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, I wanted to take this segment to un- let people understand, especially if you don't live in the United States, you don't fully understand the concept of June 19th. June 19th is just a day of celebration for the freedom of the African-American slaves in America. And it is a very big deal that you acknowledge this day exists. It's not just, oh, I get another free day off from work. Please acknowledge, learn the history of it. Learn the history. And this is not just for anybody who's not in the United States. This is also for any of my African-American listeners. Please don't just look at it. Oh, it's another day off to be home and barbecuing. Acknowledge that it is a day that we remember our ancestors who were whipped and bled for this country and when they didn't have to. They went through absolute hell to give us this. Appreciate it and acknowledge it. Now, with that heavy topic out of the way, let's actually get into the episode. All right, guys, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and talk movies. I really didn't think there was many horror movies to talk about as of lately because the first six months of the year, if a horror movie comes out around this time, it's considered the dumping ground of horror movies that they expect to fail. And this one caught me off guard as I was watching a YouTube video the other day and I got an ad for a movie called Old. And it looked pretty interesting, so I let the trailer play. Come to find out, it is from our favorite guy who absolutely ruined the live-action last airbender, M. Night Shyamalan. Honestly, guys, I'm going to be, I'm on level with you. I didn't even think he was still making movies. I didn't even think he was still working on anything. I know we kind of got some, some redeeming movies with Split and Glass, which I heard Glass was so-so. I haven't watched any of the movies in the Unbreakable series, so I don't think I'm allowed to give a proper opinion on them. However, if you're like me, especially in the nerd culture, 
you were pretty devastated in how much M. Night Shyamalan hurt us when he did the live action reboot or live action movie of the Avatar The Last Airbender uh, series where he made the movie The Last Airbender and holy shit that was awful. I've watched it recently in the last year and yeah it still kicks me square in the ovaries the same way it did when I first saw it in theaters because I wanted grasped so hard hoping that it was going to be at least a little redeemable it was not so at that point I had washed my hands of this director and said you know what I can't do this anymore like signs was great sixth sense was great I I didn't I actually liked devil I'm one of the few people who can say that you know, me and maybe the other 10 of you out there. But, and even Lady in the Water. Lady in the Water was cute. I don't think it needed to be a horror movie. It's definitely a very cute fantasy story. But it was nice. And then he gave us this schlock like The Happening. Where, Jesus Christ, I, I'm trying to be nice here. So, anyway, the trailer for Old Happens. And I gotta be honest... I'm a little impressed. It looked really good. Um, The trailer just shows a family, mom, dad, son, daughter, kind of on a vacation, and they end up going to a beautiful beach. But come to find out, they run into a corpse on the beach. As the kids go further to try to find out what's going on and looking around in caverns and such, the kids return older. Instead of being roughly the age of like 8 and 10, they're now 17. They also run into another couple group on the beach who also start to age as well. And I gotta be honest, it looks good. And of course, like any M. Night Shyamalan movie, you have to look out for that twist because there always is one. But you know what? This one could be a little exciting. I'm, I'm interested in where this could possibly go. So if you want to give that a check out, go ahead and look up on YouTube, M. Night Shyamalan's Old, O-L-D. I think it's a pretty surprising trailer. I actually did not catch wind of the release date for this movie. I think it just said fall. There was no solid date yet. But I think this could be something good. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say M. Night Shyamalan is going to release us another masterpiece like Sixth Sense or Signs, but... It could still have the potential to be something fun, at at the very least. So, you know, we can all stop hating him just a smidge for Last Airbender. All right, guys, let's talk about Loki. I finally got a chance to sit down and watch the two latest episodes that are currently streaming and available on Disney+. Plus. Now, something you guys might not know about me is I used to be Tom Hiddleston obsessed. Like, since the first Thor movie, Obsessed. And of course, the first Avengers movie did not help at all, because, oof, British daddy. But as time has went on, my obsession for Tom Hiddleston is cooled. I still find him very attractive, but the Loki love is not as high. So I have to be honest, once the announcement for, or the trailers for Loki started to show up on Disney+, Plus, I wasn't super wowed. In comparison to how I felt about WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I fell in love with these series, with both of these series, I was invested wholeheartedly. 
Like if it came out at midnight by 12.01, I had a bowl of popcorn by my side and I was ready to commit to an hour episode. Whereas Loki, I was just like, I'll get to it. But I stopped, I realized, you know, stop being a brat, go and watch it. And so far, it's really, really good. Um, We have Luke Wilson in the role of Mobius. And if you guys have seen the trailers, it's pretty much what the trailer says it is. Where we are looking at 2012 Loki who escaped with the Tesseract during the events of Endgame. But he's an anomaly. He's not supposed to be in this time frame. So he gets pulled over by what's essentially the time police or called TVA. And he is known as in their world as a variant. Someone who's not supposed to be in this time. And Mobius, played by Luke Wilson, is trying to tell Loki, look... We're, we could give you some kind of, cut you some kind of deal if you help us find another variant that's out there causing trouble, who is essentially you. So the first two episodes, the first episode sets it up, obviously, it's the slow burner. As all series goes, the first episode usually doesn't get you much. Episode two gets you pretty far. Now, I'm not going to sit here and give you guys spoilers to the episode because it's so recent. I feel like this is something you guys have to check out on your own. Each episode is roughly 50 minutes long. They're pretty good. Um, Tom Hiddleston gives a fantastic performance. Um, And by the end of episode two thus far, it gets interesting. It gets very interesting. The last 10 minutes of that episode alone starts to build up to something greater like I said I'm not going to throw spoilers at you about this I really feel like this is something you guys should check out on your own as of right now two episodes of Loki are available on Disney plus with future episodes coming out every Wednesday go and give that a check out when you have a moment also I did not have a chance to review it yet or see it but Luca is now available on Disney plus as well I will actually review that in my next episode so hang tight for that guys But until then, let's go ahead and take a break, and I will meet you back after this. All right, guys, welcome back. So this last half of this this segment of my episode tonight, let's go ahead and talk vampires. And I'm going to start this one off by a very interesting post that came out from probably my favorite author of all time, Anne Rice. And recently, I believe this was only four days ago, had made a post on Twitter saying somehow the Brat Prince, who we all know if you've ever read any of Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles, is our favorite Brat Prince himself, Lestat de Lancourt, has now has an Instagram. That's right. Our favorite vampire, our Brat Prince from the Vampire Chronicles, Lestat, now officially has his own Instagram This is easily the most amazing and dangerous thing that could have ever happened. And if you're interested in finding him, his Instagram page is Lestat underscore the underscore vampire underscore. And currently, he has a few posts up there. And he mostly is active on his Instagram story where he asks people to ask him questions, which he answers pretty promptly. It's actually kind of adorable. Even his profile 
he says his <laughs> his pronouns he identifies as they them he's 260 years old bisexual non-binary vampire and currently in love with louis de pointe du lac which if any of you guys have read interview with the vampire that is hilarious and i've actually messaged this account just for fun in which Lestat will actually respond to you or at least he has to me and he responded in French which I found very very amazing and yeah I mean granted there's many accounts out there that are saying they are the vampire Lestat the brat prince Lestat but one that's actually endorsed by Anne Rice herself come on now that's that's really cool so yes, if you want to find him on Instagram, it is simply Lestat underscore the underscore vampire and an underscore at the end. Go check him out. He's absolutely hilarious. Um, all his photos, for the most part on his picture on his Instagram are of uh, Tom Cruise, who portrays him in Interview with the Vampire. Very rarely will you see him with any photos of Stuart Townsend's portrayal of Lestat, which is a shame. Because I always felt that Stuart Townsend played the prettier Lestat, like what I envisioned him to look like. But if I'm being very honest, Tom Cruise played the perfect Lestat. He may not have had the Lestat I imagined when I see him, like visual representation, but the acting was perfect. For me, having read all the books in the Vampire Chronicles series, I've even extended to read Mammal the Devil, Pandora, the Vampire Armand, and Tale of the Body Thief, which, depending on who you ask, is or is not part of the Vampire Chronicles. He, he's still perfect. The mannerisms of Lestat, Tom Cruise nailed it. I hate to say it. But Stuart Townsend is my image of the perfect Lestat. But regardless, guys, if you're interested, go and check him out on Instagram. Keeping in the train of talking about vampires, remember how your girl was giving a good review of Castlevania Season 4, the finale? I'm not going to retract that. I still say that in terms of a Netflix series that ended abruptly, Castlevania Season 4, or the series finale, ended on such a good note. I had nearly no complaints on it so why am i bringing this up again well apparently at some point in mid-may but this only came to my attention last week there's talks of a castlevania spinoff for netflix which i'm baffled why why a spinoff why not just continue the series Well, according to DigitalSpy.com, this is what their report says. The headline reads, Castlevania Season 5. What's the future of Castlevania now? Let me go ahead and just read this article for you. Netflix is creaking closed the Castlevania coffin as the hit anime has come to an end after four short seasons. Castlevania Season 4 just dropped on the streaming service and it aims to round off the stories of Trevor Belmont, Saifa, Sifa, wow, I'm sorry, Saifa Belendez, and Alucard Tepes in style. There are just 10 episodes in the season, with It's Been a Strange Ride giving the series a definitive end. 
Now, before you weep red, salty tears after deciding that the lifeblood has been drained from the main series, Netflix has promised the world of vampire villains and boo-swilling Belmonts will return in some form. Instead of a season five, a spin-off series has been commissioned that will be set in the same world as Castlevania. Sadly, there's no news on when we will get to revisit the franchise or the complicated lore or who the main players will be. Now, maybe there was some truth to all of this. However, when this article was written in mid-May, they didn't have the news we have now where it was confirmed that the main characters of this not exactly season five, but spinoff series, the lead characters were going to be Maria Van Rooney. Oh my God, my words. I apologize, guys. It's been a day. The main characters are going to be Maria Renard and her half-brother, Richter Belmont. I think any of you guys that are familiar with the Castlevania franchise knows damn well where this is heading. We are finally getting inching closer to getting Symphony of the Night, and your girl is fucking elated. I'm so excited for this. Now, these are all just rumors. I want to confirm that. These are only rumors that we've been hearing through the grapevine from people. And I've researched as much as I could about any articles that said anything akin to where this series could be heading. But as of right now, that is the confirmed news that we have that the series is leaning towards finally getting into Symphony of the Night. As more news breaks on this, I will happily let you all know. All right, guys, it is that time for your listener-friendly asked questions. Tonight, I'm only going to do two. So let's go ahead and get into it. This question comes to me via Moonlight Baby Girl. That's a really cute name. And her question is, she's got kind of a long question here, but I'm going to be, I'm going to try to go word for word what she says. She says, hi, I don't want to come off as offending, but for you as a quote, not skinny quote girl and the confidence you exude, I am very jealous of. What advice can you give to girls like me that want to look as confident and as badass as you? Oh, honey. That's very sweet. Thank you for that. Um, Honestly, honey, it takes a lot of self-love. That's where this all starts. This all starts from you learning to love yourself no matter what you look like. Um, I'm going to kind of be very humble with myself here to you, my listeners. But yes, I'm not a skinny girl. Um, Or not as I used to be. In my early 20s and early to mid 20s, I was actually in very good shape, but that's also because I was a lot more active. I'm a dancer. I used to enter competitions for the arcade game Dance Dance Revolution. I was an active swimmer and a surfer, especially in Hawaii, because I was always within close proximity of water or an arcade, which again, arcades are kind of far and few in between nowadays. And I'm definitely not counting Dave and Buster's that barely counts because even they don't have DDR machines, depending on which ones you go to. So if I'm going to let me be honest and very humble here and actually mention numbers, 
when I was at my thinnest, I was roughly 130 to 140 pounds. For my height, which I am 5'7", that's actually pretty common. That's a pretty standard weight. Cut to now, where I'm quite heavier. And yes, this is a little bit of me being embarrassed of my current weight, so I'm not going to actually say the number, but yes, I'm significantly heavier. And yes, it did come from a lot a lot of, you know, me not being as active as I used to. Like part of what kept me thin so long too, when I wasn't surfing and swimming and dancing like I used to, was going to Disneyland as often as I did. Like I made enough money that I could afford an annual pass and I was at Disneyland easily maybe twice a week. And funny thing that people don't think about is when you go to a theme park that often, you're actually walking roughly nine miles a day. Like if you're counting steps, you know, you're usually about to do, you usually do about 10,000 steps a day or what you're supposed to do. That's more or less four and a half miles every day. And if you're doing nine, well, you're definitely just helping yourself out there. But now as I'm older, I don't really have the the means to have an annual pass right now. You know, I'm working more. I don't exercise as regularly. I don't eat as healthy or, you know, eating late night is also not necessarily a good thing. You know, yes, my weight has fluctuated and it has... It's definitely hit my confidence, but what it took again, like I'm telling any, you, not just to Moonlight Baby Girl, but what I'm telling anybody, if you're a particular weight that you're not happy with, you have to learn to love yourself. That doesn't mean you have to necessarily be thrilled about the weight that you have that you're not happy with, but do what's going to make you feel better. If that means you want to lose that weight, start looking in ways to be active, like go like get a gym membership or start taking up a sport if you don't have the money or means to have a gym membership there's plenty of videos on youtube that are for free of people who are trying to teach you to to just exercise even if it's just 15 minutes every day you don't have to necessarily run or start getting app trackers if you want to count your calories you can do that too you don't have to but these are just things if you feel they are going to be beneficial for you then do it And then it never hurts to meditate. Tell yourself that you're beautiful because you are. Give yourself that inner strength to know that you have the confidence. For me, this took years. This took years for me to kind of embrace it. And yes, I'm not thrilled being heavier, but I am working on it to a point where I can look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm happy with where I am now. Um, It also just comes with how you carry yourself. You're not... Like, don't go and seek it. Don't go and change yourself because you want outside attention. Because fuck that. that. That's not for you, baby girl. You know, don't subscribe to that shit. That's not for you. Be happy. Have the confidence to look great without needing validation. Because you don't need it from anybody but you. And as women, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're female. I'm not, I, I don't want to mispronounce any pronouns here. But for us as females, we are always going to be our own harshest critic. We don't need outside validation to remind us that sometimes we're not our best. We definitely know. As women, we are constantly in the know. So all I can say is don't beat yourself up about the way you look and you're not satisfied with it. Just be ready to make the steps to make you you the best you you can. You know, don't be afraid of if you have to go to a store, you see a dress that you love and it's a size that you can't fit. 
baby girl, then buy the dress a, a size bigger. Don't let anybody take that stride from you, ever. Because this confidence that you believe that I have came from years of self-doubt and hating the way I looked and wishing I could look like somebody from a magazine or even, especially for me in the alt and goth community, we are not cookie cutter girls by any means. We don't have the standard 20, um, 32, 24, 36. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Don't live by that standard ever. Because sometimes it's not for you. Just be happy with who you are. And if what you want is slightly different, make the active steps to change that. But it all starts with you. It all starts with how you feel about yourself in your mind. Fuck the outside validation. And I'm hoping that that gives you the encouragement to look full, to look inside yourself to find the happiness that, or to find the you that makes you happy. Because that's all it comes down to at the end of the day. It's not the clothes on your back. It's not the outside validation. It's you. So with that being said, thank you, Moonlight Baby Girl, for your question. And now my last question tonight comes from Paul Skyline. So we're going there. And yes, Paul Skyline, because that's my favorite car in the whole wide world. Paul Skyline. Um, so I think I, I got a good idea where this question's going. And it says, what are your favorite Fast and Furious movies? Rank them. And your favorite Fast and Furious character. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this real quick because I don't want this episode to run too long. Um, my least favorite. I'm going to start from the bottom up. My least favorite of all the movies is Fate of the Furious or F8. The eighth movie in the franchise, which I think is trash. I'm sorry. Um, for me, who's an avid fan of these movies, and I'm absolutely going to see F9 the weekend it comes out because the Fast Saga is my fucking jam. Um, Fate of the Furious is ridiculous. You're, you're asking me, it, it becomes a complete soap opera. I'm not going to go into spoilers for the movies, but it's a, it's a complete soap opera. It's dumb. Next would be, I believe it's called Furious 6. I think Furious 6 is also a stupid movie. Um, it's also forgettable. Um, it, just, it doesn't bring anything to the story for me at all. So after that would possibly I'm not also I want you guys to get a heads up I'm not gonna rank Hobbs and Shaw because I haven't seen it um I'm going to watch it on my vacation but the next movie that I would probably rank pretty low would probably be Fast and Fu or Fast and Furious or the fourth movie in the in the franchise not that it's terrible it's just it doesn't do much for me. It it just kind of moves characters to certain places. So yeah, not crazy in love with that one. Then from here on, we're just getting better. So after this, I'm actually going to put the first movie, The Fast and the Furious, because it's not bad. It's not a bad movie, but the problem is, and this is an easy way to solve this problem, is... If you've seen Point Break, the movie with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, if you saw that movie first, then the first Fast and the Furious is not that different. It's They're just swapping out surfing for illegal street racing. And 
Granted, I think this is when Paul Walker is at his absolute sexiest because, oh my God. But <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's a carbon copy. Like I said, just you're swapping surfing for street racing. Still fun though. It's not bad. It actually plants in the middle, so it's pretty good. Um, Next is going to be Furious 7, which I know some people would hate me for making that 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 call, but Fury 7 cuts deep for me because this was the last of these movies that my friend Scott had gotten me into. Um, see, the song See You Again was played at his funeral. And my friend Scott, for some of you guys out there that don't know, got me into illegal street racing when I was in my teenage years. And it was a big deal for me that we saw that movie together. We actually never got that chance. And yeah, it cuts deep, not just because my friend's um, See You Again was played at my friend's funeral, who got me into street racing. But of course, it was the death of Paul Walker, who nobody saw it coming. And it's it's an, it's a real shame. The ending always gets me. Um, at this point, if you hadn't seen it by now, it's the whole Paul Walker drives a separate direction off into the sunset. It cuts deep, guys. It it really does. Like, it brought grown men to tears. So, yeah, I'm going to rank um, Furious 7 right there. And the last three are honestly my top favorites. Uh, in third place, I'm going to put Fast Five. Because in my eyes, Fast Five ends the series perfectly. Like... This is partially why I rank six so low, because six did not need to happen. Like, there's too many bullshit. All these movies have suspension, have a scene that gives you suspensions of disbelief. Six really kicked me in the nuts with that one, with the whole uh, Dom jumps a freeway bridge to save Letty. That was bullshit. Then it's the whole plane runway scene. I couldn't, I, what? What the fuck? Anyway, but Fast Five is so perfectly cohesive and it ends on such a perfect note that the series didn't need to go anywhere else. They could have left it alone right there. But of course, Universal knows they got a money-making machine and they're going to work it. But if I stop, if you, honestly, if anybody out there, if you're a fan of these movies, you could honestly watch them all and watch up to Fast Five and it's perfect. It ends perfectly right there. So that's why it's actually in my top three. Now... Again, my the my my top two la- my second and first place switch depending on what mood I'm in. But for this one, I'm going to put third place. I'm going to put second place to Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which everybody knows is the one that earned the least amount of money because it had no star power behind it. And I get that. For me, fuck the actors, fuck the characters, fuck that story. Focus on just the drifting. And maybe this was because I grew up in Hawaii where drifting was a big deal. Like illegal drag street races were whatever. Drifting was where it, where it's at because drifting is an art. I encourage any of you guys, if you were ever interested in understanding Tokyo Drift a little better, go watch drifting videos on YouTube. It's an art. It's, le- it's legitimately not, I mean, yes, it is a form of illegal street racing, but it's a dance of cars. I think it's one of the most beautiful ways you could potentially wreck your car and yes drifting is not cheap by any means this is a very expensive hobby but tokyo drift was something i connected to because that's what i was learning how to do not these quarter mile drag races but drifting 
So yeah, like I said, fuck the whole storyline about the Yakuza and this white kid that comes to Japan and gets in trouble with Bow Wow, of all things. Just focus on the drifting. That's the best part of the whole movie. And then in first place, and again, a lot of people are controversial about this one, is Too Fast, Too Furious, which I think is a phenomenal movie. Like, yeah, I, I wish it did have Vin Diesel in it, but I do like the introduction of of Tyrese's character and Tej, who just progressively gets more badass as the series goes. Um, I just think it's a fun movie. That I think of all of them, it's probably the only movie that doesn't have the weakest storyline. It's fun, it's easy to follow, it's cohesive, the cars are gorgeous. I still get a little angry <laughs> when I see how downgraded Paul Walker goes from having a gorgeous skyline to a fucking eclipse. Oh my god. Just, why? Anyway, I, I get it, it's for the flash and the glitz, but Jesus Christ, the skyline was so bomb. But yeah, that's gonna round up my current ranking of the Fast and Furious movies. I mean, I'd be willing to do another one again in the future once F9 comes out for the Fast Saga. Because yes, I want to rank all of them at some point. I just, maybe I won't even do it after Fast 9. I want to wait till all the movies are, have came out, which, depending on which sources I'm listening to, the series is either going to end on the 10th movie or the 11th. But we shall see. And the second part of that question was, who is my favorite character? I'm just going to give a quick top three. And I'm going to be honest. Um, I want to say in roughly third place is Paul Walker. Um, and that's no disrespect to the late Paul Walker. May he rest in peace. He's He was my pretty boy. Oh my God, he's so super gorgeous. And, you know, for the most part, the movies do help revolve around him. I know... Vin Diesel becomes a little more front and forward as Dominic Toretto. But Paul was kind of what started it all for me. Then in second place, I'm going to give it up to my boy, Tej Parker, played by Ludacris. Because this man just became far more badass as the series progressed. Like, he went from just running illegal street races to being the tech genius then now he drives and now he's badass on that he's also kind of a side-by-side hacker with ramsey and he's a martial arts expert i'm like dude you just endlessly keep be getting badass and i'm here for it plus he does some of the songs for the soundtracks for some of the movies i can't i can't hate that and you'd be surprised to find that my number one pick is actually none of the girls though i will give it up to giselle because i really wish she didn't, spoiler, die off in Furious 6. Uh, I wanted to see more of her. And don't get me wrong, Letty's pretty cool. I just feel like she gets kind of sidelined by Dom because Dom's such a powerhouse. And I, I wish Mia was regulated to something bigger than just kind of the mom of the group. I kind of wanted her to be more of a badass, and I think we'll see more of that in F9. Because I think this is going to be the series where they're going to have Brian's character just stay with the kids while Mia is coming back. Which I think I'm going to like that a lot because I want to see more girl power. But my favorite character in the entire Fast and Furious franchise is my boy Han. Hell yes, he is my fucking favorite character. He's hot. He's badass. His cars are the best. I love all his choices of cars in Tokyo Drift. He was just so good. And of course, I was furious 
when I first saw Tokyo Drift in theaters back in 2004, and he died. And then we watched the trailers for F9, and here's this boy snacking it up like he was, like it was a casual Tuesday. And there he is, just doing his thing, and I'm fucking thrilled he's coming back, because I want to see what they're going to put this boy up to. So yes, Paul Skyline, that is the answer to your question. Thank you so much for that. And as always, guys, I apologize if I did not get to your questions tonight, but feel free to hit me up in my DMs for my Instagram or TikTok if you have questions you would like to ask me in some future listener-friendly ask questions. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on tonight's episode. As always, I'd like to thank each and every one of my listeners, whether you live in the same city, the same state, in the same country, or across the globe. Your listenership keeps my podcast going. So thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, you can find me on all of my social media platforms. My Twitter is MoonchildNil. My TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are Morningstar Moonchild. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share if you like the content that I do. And also feel free to drop me a line on Instagram or TikTok if you have questions for my listener-friendly asked questions. If you have topics you would like me to cover in future episodes, or if you just want to say hi, I'm down for that. I am so happy to just even just get a response and just say hi, have a good day, or, you know, just want to shout out happy pride. All is accepted. Now, I will be going on vacation starting this upcoming Monday. I do plan to still release an episode. It may be a short one, and it will probably be released a little earlier than a Friday night. But yeah, I want to try to release one while I'm in Las Vegas because I really want to do a haunted Vegas segment. I really I'm planning on even putting it on my TikTok um, and we'll see where that goes. Um, I'm also a little itchy about Vegas because I heard that the new um, variant of the covid virus is in Vegas so your girl's gonna be extra cautious and definitely taking a mask even though mask mandates in in Las Vegas are completely dropped the state is fully open or the city of Las Vegas and even here in California it's the same thing Um, we're now to the point where employees of any of any job or occupation if you are fully vaccinated you do not have to wear a mask They now got it to the point where I just did this this morning myself, where you can have a digital version of your vaccination card on your phone, which, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, I've already seen where this lifted mask mandate has kind of been shaky, where, you know, establishments are still allowed to make their own rules in terms of wearing masks. And please, people, just adhere to them. They're their own establishments. They have the right to do this. You know, it's it's in their it's in the constitutional rights. So please, guys, just please be respectful of everybody, whether they choose to wear the mask or not. Even me, who's fully vaccinated, I'm still gonna wear my mask from time to time around other people because I don't trust people. But yeah, I'm definitely relishing and enjoying the freedom of not having to wear the mask as frequently. But as always, guys, until the next episode. Spread kindness, please. It costs nothing. Stay safe. Have a happy Pride, Juneteenth, and Father's Day. And for me, happy birthday month and blessed be.